brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that shares your values. More information is available at CharityMobile.com. Usually when talking about modern ills and terrible ideas and philosophies in the world and doing so in a pretty hard-hitting way, you tend to think more of Archbishop Carlo Maria Viganò than you do Cardinal Gerhard Mueller. But today, Cardinal Mueller has a very Viganò-sounding letter. He released it several days ago, and to my utter shock, no one has, you know, talked about this yet. And he talks about all sorts of modern ills and how they're all interconnected. It's really astonishing because, again, this is a Viganò-type letter, and I'm just going to get out of the way and let him talk because mostly this is pretty accessible stuff. I'll try to be in the comments to answer any questions if there's if you have specific questions about anything he said, and I will endeavor to put a link to this in a special show notes today at returntotradition.org, so go ahead and take a look at for that later when it goes live. Frederick Nietzsche was the false prophet in the 19th century who made the 20th century the most inhuman epic of the whole world history. His battle cry was, God is dead. Now we want the Superman to live. So he lets his Zarathustra speak to the quote-unquote higher man. These elite people believe to that we they owe themselves a quantum leap of evolution or have climbed the highest level of all civilizations. They consider themselves to be part of the avant-garde of mankind. They're entitled to exclusive privileges because they have understood the course of world history. Their higher insight entitles them to intervene in the spokes of fate. The common people may consider themselves lucky to be the object of their care and education. The stupid rabble in the marketplace of published opinion is carrying away, carried away by the propaganda slogans. One feels one with the large mass of herd people, which submits itself blindly to its leader animal and follows its orders without contradiction, because nobody knows better than Big Brother what is good for the general public. One cannot simply say apologetically that the primitive uh, political party in Germany from the 1930s through the 1940s, from its uh, leader to its other leader, had only not understood Nietzsche's subtleties correctly. It was the greatest philosopher of the 20th century, Martin Heidegger, so esteemed by many who accused Western metaphysics of being forgetfulness since its beginning with Plato and Aristotle, and at the same time vehemently distanced himself from his Catholic origins who gave the Nietzsche fan, the leader of Germany, and his delusion of the ethnic Superman, the heir of a higher philosophical legitimacy. The counter-movement of the Aryan humanity of the pure blood with its morality of race and human breeding is, according to Nietzsche, the anti-Aryan religion par excellence. Christianity, the gospel preached to the poor, the lowly, as the religion of love. In the infamous Black Notebooks, his thought diaries from 1931 to 1974, Heidegger notes, quote, the great experience and happiness that the dear leader has awakened a new reality which gives our thinking the right trajectory and thrust. Nietzsche, the acclaimed prophet of postmodern atheism, proclaimed, three years before his mental collapse, the leading idea of humanism without God, the Superman. This is supposed to be the man of the future who creates himself out of nothing and sets a humanity on the way, which redeems itself. Thus, the Superman can defeat nihilism by the ruthless living out of the will to power. Believing in the eternal return of the same, he overcomes the most extreme form of nihilism, namely, that nothingness, that senselessness is eternal, a finale into nothingness, the eternal return of the same. 
the eternal return of the same results from the consideration. In endless time, the states resulting from the changing combinations of its finite factors incessantly repeats itself. The overcoming of the nihilism happens, however, in the Christian faith, much more simply and promisingly. The feeling of nothingness inherent in everything finite is overcome by the Creator giving us mortal humans a share in His eternity and allowing the restlessness of our hearts to come to rest in His presence. Nietzsche proclaimed the Superman. What came was the Unmensch of the 20th century, who wanted to ascend into the self-made paradise over the shattered Christian morality on enormous mountains of corpses. Instead of the promised paradise on earth, people prepared hell on earth for their kind. If man is no longer allowed to be a creature in the image and likeness of the triune God, but has to elevate himself to God-like Prometheus, then he sinks into the maelstrom of anthropological nihilism. Incidentally, the myth of the heaven-storming titans is as ridiculous from a Christian point of view as when one boasts of being able to knock down open doors. For God gives all who, quote, receive Christ the power to become children of God. See the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12. And he gives them the, quote, liberty and glory of the children of God. See the letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verse 21. Long before we can set in motion the storm, the doors of heaven. The sense that there is no transcendent orientation and no ultimate responsibility before an eternal judge falls inevitably from the denial of the existence of God and his unconditional will to save. Anthropologically, nihilism today dresses itself in garish and diverse garments of gender mania and various fleshly identities. This post-humanism amounts to the evolutionary technical evolution of man or his further existence as man-animal-technology hybrid. The man-animal-technology hybrid is identical with the classical anti-humanism of atheistic ideologies, only more cleverly camouflaged and better sold. With it, the de-Christianized West experiences the return of the same, namely of its self-destructive nihilism. If Nietzsche's sentence, God is dead, reflects the consciousness of the world today, then it is clear that under the auspices of this nihilism, its unfolding can only result in world catastrophes. Out of the, out of the womb of being denying and truth-hostile atheism, crawl the man-eating monsters of Jacobinism, the hammer and sickle ideology, and that 1930s German ideology. Hundreds of millions of people are their innocent victims. The melding of man and machine is the fourth realm in the round dance of overrunning nihilism, and they're all devouring abyss. Post-humanism is the worst war of annihilation against humanity. It wages war against the coming generation and against the old and the, and the infirm, who are disposed of and spent as human capital, and are thus to be taken out of the game. It destroys the foundations of life by relativizing the marriage of man and woman. It relativizes the family, which, in spite of all the sophistic verbal acrobatics, remains defined as the cohabitation of the two parents with their own children. One promises in the new symbiosis of capitalism of the West and the hammer and sickle in the Middle Kingdom, or the programs of the Novus Ordo Seclorum, the, the fourth turning of the so-called inclusive capitalism, once again the paradise on earth, which will remain a mirage, where no one calls anything his own anymore, everyone is happy, the super-rich call out to the masses of poor wretches. Because the state assigns to everyone according to his needs what he needs according to the conception of the guidance rose of the luck of the masses. The ruling power, media, and financial elites have everything under control and prescribe what the masses have to think, feel, and do. They consider themselves to be the born masterminds and demonize every self-thinking person who evades their dictatorship of thought as a lateral thinker or a holder of alternative uh, theories and hypotheses. 
the totalitarian ideologists of capital social materialism, neo-imperialist nationalism, and an ideological post-humanism, thus inevitably fall back into blind paganism with all their pride and reason. They know man only as a freak of the gods, i.e. of the poetically expressed identity of God and nature, according to Spinoza's pantheistic definition. Man is then nothing else than coincidence of the elements of nature playing with themselves, nothing else than a complex organism of evolution. He is nothing else than a product of the society, or nothing else than a customer in the supermarket, or an offer from the goods catalog, where one can assemble children like toys according to own taste. Instead of the all-embracing and all-pervading logos of God, who communicates himself in his eternal word and the Holy Spirit to the chosen people of Israel at the beginning of salvation history, and then at the end of the universal church, Christ is creator of the world and savior of all people, it is only the error-prone and interest-driven reason of finite man, which self-confidently gives itself a meaning and sets itself the goal of its will to power. Man is then no longer only as the beginning of the modern age with its anthropological dualism of spirit and body, merely master and owner of nature, according to Descartes, who, however, still understood himself as a devout Catholic. No, he is far beyond that also ideologically, the creator of a spiritual self, which works itself up existentialist emancipatory from nothing to a self-designed but only apparent being. The nihilistic credo is being is not an undeserved and unavailable gift. Only the radical self-determination is valid, as it were the self-creation out of nothing, on whose waterless surface I swim. One talks oneself self-destructive. I am thrown into this world by a blind fate. Therefore, I am condemned to make of myself what I want. There are not the guidelines of my bodily nature, the being put into a history, tradition, culture, language, and homeland, a family and nation, for which I take responsibility. This self-creation out of the nothing uh, and above the nothing then separates as its philosophy these thoughtless sentences from itself, which we all know only too well. I owe myself to nobody, and therefore I am alone the only neighbor. I am my own God, whom I have created for myself in my own image and likeness. The other is of interest for me only insofar as I can harness him for my interests and my increase of pleasure. The I in itself state decreed by God dissolves life historically into no more to be integrated self-experiences and emancipated self-determination, which flowed away without reason and shore like water blossoms in all colors on the surface without ever taking root. Who am I and how many is a book title. Then, however, also my body by Lieb Ich is no longer my I, subject in its material ground of possibility, but is only connected with me accidentally like a garment. A garment can be recut and one arbitrarily gives oneself a new outlook. In a fit of self-hating, people disfigure the innate beauty of their human body with tattoos and rings and noses and lips. Post-humanism is a self-destructive nihilism. This self-destruction is the lead leading cause of death among many young people worldwide. The melding of man with machine without God is the fourth realm in the round dance of overrunning nihilisms and their all-devouring abyss. Anthropological nihilism has as its father the pride of the creature who wants to be like God and to define the difference between good and evil, true and false, according to his own gusto. Its seduced or bought surrogate mother is folly, which exchanges the glory of the incorruptible God with its self-made idols from human hands or ideological phrases from human mouths. See Romans chapter 1, verse 20 to 32. But the one who confuses the truth of God with the lie and worships the work of his hands and thoughts instead of the creator, dishonors himself in his spirit and body, who in his self-reduction to a pleasure subject becomes in the end a punishment to himself. 
and spiritually and bodily in a barren existence because he does not want to understand that God created man for woman and woman for man. See 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 11. And who thus made marriage and family the original cell of church and state. But one and the same is the creator and redeemer. He who created us in his image and likeness, male and female. See Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Has also destined us from eternity in advance to our historical existence in time as its ground in God's being to share in the nature and likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among his brethren. See the letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verse 29. Creation in the Christian sense means the insight that all that it is has become through the Logos, the word through which God expresses himself and in which his infinite reason reveals itself in the reason of meaning of all that exists in the essence of beings. The natural sciences limit their possible insights to the structures and functions of the material world, but they cannot deny or cloud the knowledge that the world comes to itself in man's reason and necessarily transcends itself into the perception of the invisible reality of God and his eternal power and divinity. See the letter to the Romans, chapter 1, verse 20. The knowledge resulting from the progress of empirical and transcendental anthropologies, that is, of the natural and historical sciences, of philosophy and theology, can never question the truth of man's being created in God's image and likeness and the unity of his being a person in body and soul, but they can make the mystery of man shine a little more in all its depth. Ultimately, the mystery of man is clarified only in the mystery of the word made flesh. See, Gaudium et Spes, paragraph 22. Thus, as the first and original main proposition of Christian anthropology, the natural and revealed truth emerges, which dispels every nihilistic touch and also presumptions, presumptuous self-creativity, just as the rising sun makes the shadows of the night and the mist in the morning disappear. Man is the only creature willed by God for his own sake, who can find himself perfect only through the sincere gift of himself. See Gaudium et Spes, paragraph 24. Man finds himself in love for God above all things and in love for his neighbor as for himself. The reason of God and creation and salvation history is unsurpassable. It does not hold down the finite reason of creatures, but illuminates it like an inextinguishable light. But the light that enlightens every man came into the world. See John chapter 1 verse 9. The Son of the Father is the light of the world. For Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See John chapter 8, verse 12. He is the word made flesh, the Logos of God his Father, from whom the Son springs forth in like manner from eternity. He reveals to us God's idea of us, represented in our bodily and socially nature. When he asks the reasoning trappers and sophists of his time, have you not read that the Creator created them male and female in the beginning, to reveal therein the mystery of marriage? For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. See Matthew chapter 19, verse 4. There is no clearer answer to the lie of choice of sex at will or to the theory of the similar behavior as a variant of creation or to the blasphemous fraud of the divine blessing for the farce of marriage game of persons of the James Martin variety. Nietzsche's talk at the of the death of God has even reached some parts of the church. Even some Catholics no longer trust in God. They think they have to give the church a modern outfit because the church does not satisfy Christ today's requirements anymore. Anthropological nihilism has arrived as an ecclesiological nihilism. We do not trust in the living God who himself builds his house, the body of Christ and the temple of the Holy Spirit. We gut the house of God and totally rebuild it according to our plans. The corresponding agenda of the German National Synodalism of the German Bishops Conference and the Central Committee of German Catholics is not only based on a misunderstanding in individual natural and revealed truths, but swells like, up like the sodden cardboard of theological and anthropological nihilism. 
He who keeps God dead forgets also man. He who does not shout loudly from the rooftops the truth of Christ denies the historical, unique, and unsurpassable revelation of God in Jesus Christ. The church does not need reform like any other man-made organization. It is God's work and therefore supernatural in its origin and nature and mission. It is only corrupted or thrown back into the old aeon by our attempts at modernization. This is the original church. It is only corrupted by our attempts at modernization or thrown back into the old aeon. This is the original church creed, valid for all times. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. See the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 8. He sanctifies his church himself and renews it in his spirit. Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to sanctify her, having cleansed her by the bath of water in the word. So he will set the church before him glorious, without spot or other blemish, holy and spotless. See the letter to the Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 18. No one can modernize Christ's teaching, for he himself at his incarnation brought with him all newness, modernity to renew and enliven man. So said Irenaeus of Leon's, Recently declared a doctor of the church by Francis against the Gnostics and Manichaeans of his time at the end of the second Christian century. Neither the magisterium nor the church as a whole can teach anything that goes beyond, improves upon, or reinterprets the word of God. See De Verbum, chapter 10. The Pope and bishops, with all their authority to preserve and faithfully interpret the faith, in no case receive a, quote, new public revelation as part of the divine deposit of faith, the depositum fide. See Lumen Gentium, paragraph 25. The texts of the Frankfurt Synod interpret the sense of faith of the entire people of God in a way that is completely contrary to meaning. If they understand it as a filter through which an accidental session majority allows old false doctrines to trickle through as new illuminations by the Holy Spirit. To the unsuspecting public, they sell this as a democratization of the church. In reality, under the pretext of modernization, which is at stake here, is the transformation of the church of God into a political organization in its own image and likeness, in which people distribute power or fight for it. Invoking the sense of faith of the lady as a democratic legitimization for transforming the church into a secular organization misses the point of the truth of faith, about the sense of faith of the faithful. Rather, it is about the supernatural sense of the whole people of God, and by no means the laity as opposed to the bishops, in which the infallibility of the church is expressed in the knowledge and preservation of God's revelation once for all given in Christ. By that sense of faith, in fact, which is awakened and nourished by the spirit of truth, the people of God, under the guidance of the magisterium, in whose faithful obedience they no longer receive the word of men, but truly the word of God, hold steadfastly to the faith once delivered to the saints. Through it, they penetrate ever more deeply in, into the faith with right judgment and apply it in life. See Lumen Gentium, paragraph 12. The supernatural sense of faith, then, is anything but a free pass for the self-secularization or politicization of the church. The real problem, the expression of which is anthropological nihilism with the destructive potential, is that even bishops no longer believe in the fact of God's historically unique and unsurpassable self-revelation in Jesus Christ. Creation, Old and New Covenant, Incarnation, the death of Jesus on the cross as his sacrifice for the reconciliation of mankind with God, his and our bodily resurrection from the dead are regarded by them only as arbitrarily interchangeable symbols and interpretations of mythical and poetic quality. But if Christianity were only a collection of disparate views of the unknowable divine diffused over our theoretical interpretation of the world and practical coping with contingency, then it would truly not be worth fighting and suffering for the truth of Christ. For if dead men be not raised, let us eat and drink as the Gentiles do, for tomorrow we shall be dead. See the first letter to the first Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32. It is not a matter of deepening subjective faith and personal following of Christ and orientation to the objective reality of revelation in the person of Jesus Christ and his God-human reality 
than the pretended church reformers became fatal church ruiners. Nihilism, the feeling of the new age, that God himself is dead, will only then not lead to the feeling that consequently there's nothing to do with human beings and everything is allowed what pleases. If we believe in infinite and human-friendly reasons of God before, above, and in all works in creation and salvation history. The mystery of man is clarified only in the God-human mystery of Christ. The world comes to itself in man. In his spirit and in his freedom, he transcends himself to God. He recognizes God as the origin, center, and goal of all creation. God addresses man in his word, which became flesh in the Son. The Son of God reveals himself as the mystery of man, who without Christ would have to remain a mystery to himself. Jesus reveals the mystery of his person and mission from the Father by saying to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See John chapter 14, verse 6. Vatican II assumes that in today's world development, there is an increase in the number of those who ask with great urgency the fundamental questions. What is man? What is the meaning of pain, evil, and death? All things that still persist despite such progress. What is the point of these victories if they have to be bought so dearly? What can man give to society? What can he expect from it? And what comes after this earthly life? See Gaudium et Spes, chapter 10. And this is the answer of God, which still exceeds the horizon of our existential questions. But the church believes that Christ, who died for all and rose again, gives light and power to man through his spirit, so that he may fulfill his supreme calling. There is no other name under heaven given to men in which to be saved. She further believes that in, our, in her Lord and Master is given the key, the center and the goal of all human history. The church confesses, moreover, that at the basis of all change, there is much that is unchangeable, which has as its ultimate ground in Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the light, then, of Christ, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn before all creation, the council representing the whole church, which is to address all people in order to shed light on the mystery of man and to cooperate in finding a solution to the most pressing questions of our time. See Gaudium et Spes, chapter 10. That's an interesting note that Cardinal uh, Mueller here leaves on at the end of this letter, because really what he's doing is, again, trying to rein the German bishops in with Vatican II and trying to rein in the Synod with Vatican II. Remember, the Synod is sold to us as an extension of Vatican II, as the culmination of it, as the finalization of it. And Cardinal Mueller here is pointing out that that is, at least from his perspective as a sort of member of the sort of conservative wing of the Nova Sordo establishment, that this is, you know, a mistake. Whether you agree with him or not is up to debate, I think, because at the end of the day, Francis makes a good point that what they're doing is the continuation and culmination of everything in the Vatican post-council era of the church. But he's not, but Mueller here's not wrong when he talks about how what we're seeing is essentially institutionalized nihilism. Most of these bishops barely talk about God at all, and when they do, they recraft God into their own image. They speak about him almost as if he's a metaphor. They speak about our blessed Lord as if he's a metaphor. It's absolute wickedness. It really, truly is. Let me know what you thought of this in the comments, please. If you want to read the letter, it's on, I put it on the sources blog today at returntotradition.org, so go have a look at it. But uh, yeah, let me know what you thought of this in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It really helps. As to sharing this on social media, that helps a lot as well. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.